0: this uh, message as we try to hear from it. We come from different backgrounds and places. We come maybe knowing a friend, or maybe not knowing anyone this morning. We come maybe with doubts. We come maybe with great um, excitement and and certainty in our faith. Um, Some of us come um, with gratitude because of the way life has gone, and others of us come at a crossroads. Maybe just we're afraid. We don't know what the future holds on a holding pattern of some sort, or maybe we're, we're just feeling burdened and even crushed by loss and difficulty and sadness. And from all these places, we come and, and we sit and we don't even realize that we're a room full of mess and fragmentation. There's beauty, there's great glory in how you've wired us, how you've made us, and yet we're more of a mess than we care to admit. We're going to live up to the the design that you have for us. All of us are more broken than we want to let other people be in on. And your message of grace that we keep coming back to every week, we keep talking about up here, is that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit in Christ, we are more loved and accepted at the same time than we ever imagined. That you move towards the broken, messy, fragmented world and have done so in Christ. In his death, Taken on the mess, taken on the brokenness, to begin making this world whole, and you begin with us. May, we, may our hearts be opened today in a new way to receive that grace, that offer of love and healing and renewal. The greatest in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 My children have a total of about three or four different bins full of dresser clothes and um, you know some of it is more Halloween focused and some of it is just all the time in their toy room and when they're little or I have I have four kids and so when they're little they're like they're maybe seven and under it tends to be those years when they're um, at least my children where they're, they might go through a whole week of dressing up several times each day out of this dress up box. It's a, it's a it's a, wonderful activity. They love it. Um, the older kids, they still love it, but they might not just do it that much. They still love Halloween and everything else. And I was thinking about this and thinking that, um, I don't know if we should be concerned about this, but as you grow up, you stop going on these very hunts, right? You stop giving out Valentine's cards to all your friends, or at least all my friends. Stop. I mean, you're in a different crowd right? But we keep dressing up. We, we still do, even as adults, we do these Halloween parties, right? And you see the pictures on Facebook and everything else. And we love it. What's going on with that? <laughs> we kind of shed the other stuff that seems childish, but that seems, there's something there. I don't think there's something there. Dressing up coming someone else, right? Just put something on and how you're this other thing. I'm always fascinated when I go to the Sacramento Kings games with the mascot, with Slamson, the lion. And, I I mean, just the character. And I I just buy into the whole thing, right? Like, I I totally stop forgetting that that's just a person in there doing stuff. And I just just buy into the whole persona of Slamson and all his craziness and silliness. I love mascots, and in some ways I would love to be a mascot. One time I dressed up as an Easter Bunny for my kid's preschool class, and um, I had so much secret. I had so much fun <laughs> being a silly, crazy Easter Bunny. And I even got really kind of crazy and started playing on the play structure, like I was, you know, like the bunny was really into this play structure. And then I, and then the head, this head sort kind of flipped flip off momentarily, went up and then came back down. And one of these little kids, you see some of their faces, were like this, i was shocked. And one of them said, it's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> just that brief window of taking off clothes, well, putting it back on. Well, it's a funny thing, putting on different clothes, and finding yourself with different clothes on different times. I don't know if you've ever been out somewhere, and you realize, oh, I'm wearing this, now i out. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, and we have dreams about these kinds of things, right? By showing up at work, and you, maybe you don't have anything on, and these kinds of dreams. Or maybe just practically speaking, you find yourself being asked in Target where the electronics are, and you realize you're wearing a red shirt. You know? Or you're, you wore your orange apron at Home Depot accident. <laughs> and they're asking you where the plywood is, and you your white shirt to Trader Joe's, or whatever. Clothes, a uniform—it becomes something of identity, right? Like you look at someone, and or if someone's wearing something, and say, "I'm Navy," "I'm Army," I'm you know. This is a part of who I am, right? I'm a chef, you know. I'm a chef. Usually, when you see a chef walking down the sidewalk, you don't imagine that they're actually being a chef in that moment. But other things—it's funny. Other things are like that, you know. You see a, a policeman or a priest walking down the sidewalk, you probably just going to assume I can go to that police officer for a crime-related thing, or I can go to that priest. There's something about it. I'm going to tell them about this terrible thing I with, that I need prayer for. But other things, it's like, no, no, that's an off-duty, you know. What you wear gets into interesting things with your identity. I bought a coat, and I thought it was cool, the irony of it. This coat at this estate sale said Riverside on the back, and it says Arnie. I still have it. It says Arnie right And um, I got it in Michigan, and I just thought, you know, this is like a hipster kind of thing, right? Like an ironic piece of clothing. It's it's not really me, but it's it's kind of cool, I guess. And um, one time I was in an airport wearing this coat, and somebody knew about Riverside. Hmm. And they knew who Ernie was. (laughs) 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 And in the field of work that they did, they really, you know, they wanted to talk about Riverside. Whatever that was, it's like a company. And I couldn't do it. I didn't know. I said, yeah, God, I got this kind of And in the look of kind of confusion on this person's face. Right? Because they have certain expectations about I was wearing something and that meant certain things, but then it wasn't. It was totally funny. It wasn't. There's a um, a little bit disturbing place in a parable that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Matthew where. A really wonderful parable where an invitation to this big banquet goes out to, to everyone because the first invites don't come and anybody's welcome. They all come in and they're all sitting there. At the very end of this parable, Jesus says, the, the person throwing the banquet throws someone out and really, really kind of harshly. Ties them up and throws them out because they're not wearing wedding clothes. And I always feel like that parable, I still don't really understand it. There's something going on with clothing in the Bible and in the Christian faith. There's some, some kind of metaphorical and analogical kind of thing going on. And in the early church, this is what Tom Wright, a New Testament scholar and commentator on scripture, he says this. In the early church, it was frequently the case that a candidate for baptism would take off the old suit of clothes they were wearing. And then, after coming up from conversion, would be given a new set of clothes to wear. It would be colored white to signify the period of the new life they were now returned. And I think that gets a little bit into the heart of what Colossians chapter 3 is that we're reading, is that there's a task of Christian community to perpetually be paying attention to how our conduct becomes something that can reflect our identity. Um, Verses 9 and 10 from what we were reading, what we read. Say it well, you kind of take the end of verse, what's called verse 9 and the beginning, what's called verse 10. It says, Since you have taken off your old self, taken off, so we're in the analogy with this passage. You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of. In the image of his creator. Taking off the old self, putting on the new self. And you see in these lists, there are lists within this reading about kind of what those new clothes are, what those old clothes are. Right? So in verse 8, if you, if you look, verse 8 says, um, Rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, malice, rage, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. And These are all kind. Community sins. These are, these are things that, behaviors that break up relationships, quite frankly. You don't even have to believe uh, in God or the Bible or any of this stuff to say, yeah, I know about those things and they break things up. And the alternative clothing is mentioned in verse 12. If you notice, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then the next verse is about forgiveness. You can see how they totally can't coexist, the one and the other. You can't be kind of raging and slandering and angry and have malice and, and lying to someone and at the same time be in this kind of compassionate forgiveness mode. That person is take off the one, the one and put on the other. And Christian life, it seems, from you take Christian history, but you also take the New Testament in this passage, it seems like there's a constant need to be sus- suspicious a little bit that your outward behavior is not aligning with your true identity, with what's really become now true about you through the gospel. Um, and so, in a sense, this sort of assessment mode that this passage is in, sort of assessing, like, where you? do you see some of this going on? You know. Do you see some of that? Let's remember this. Clothing change, a wardrobe switch that needs to happen in Christian life. There's a couple of values to this. One of them is, first of all, it's a barometer for your gospel temperature. I just kind of doubt it like, oh, you know what, I realized this. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to kind of just a little data point like, for where my heart is and whether I'm connecting outside of what's theoretically. The gospel true on the inside. And another good another thing about it is that you can kind of say, if you're a Christian, you can kind of say, Oh good, I recognize this going on.
1: Good. Now I have another
0: place in my life where it's very clear the gospel needs to start making it making its way into that specific issue because there's this obvious stuff here that either is absent like forgiveness or present like this raging anger or lying. Gender. You know, you look at your life, and you look for this, this old self, new self kind of stuff, and that's a part of the Christian community, too. You can do that together, but it's a lot safer, of course, to do it on your own. And to make these discoveries where you say, you know, I realized that when I told that story to that person earlier today, I definitely intentionally included a bunch of details about this other person who's not liking right now so that the view of them would be clear, right? Well, they kind of well, I didn't actually need to share that part. I did Or you've got someone in your life, and you, and you just say, you know, with this particular person, I have been so picky and ungracious lately. Huh, what's going on there? Or you just like, I am I I am really preoccupied with financial security and having all my ducks and details in a row. And that's, that's what I'm really geared towards right now. OK. What's going on with that? What's that point to you about your identity? <clears throat> it's kind of like um, we, we have these favorite pairs of clothing. We have, it's almost like you have a favorite pair of pants. And they just become so comfortable to wear. And so it's such an ordinary part of your life sometimes. Painters are like some of the things on this list. It, they become so incredibly comfortable you don't notice they're there and they move with you practically. But at some point, somebody's got to point out, they are going to say, you know what? There's a hole in your crotch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, it's inappropriate to wear this time to get a new pair of pants. But in all honesty, there's a sense of like, you know what? It's time to change and stop and look and notice. Look in the mirror and this you know and people get like the positive things that like forgiveness is there forgiveness there's a person in my life that i'm i just if i really stop and think about it and look at it i'm absolutely withholding and working against forgiveness with this person i'm making zero progress what does the passage kind of push us for identity like you if you're a christian if you you get kind of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. It's like you are deeply forgiving yourself. Your whole new self, your whole identity is connected to forgiveness. You know forgiveness in spades, if you're a Christian. And then so it's like, where's the disconnect? I'm, you know, I'm not reflecting that in my attire. I'm not living that out. You can go on Discoveries. Like one person says, you know, I really am noticing my insecurity. Another person says, you know, I'm really noticing, I'm judgmental. Man. Another person says, you know what, I'm seeing my anger. I need to kind of get out, like, expressing this. And it's like, yeah, good. This is good. This is what Colossians 3 is about. you to yourself. So that having seen yourself, you will abhor yourself and become poor in spirit and meek. You will mourn, you will hunger and thirst for righteousness. I love this last part. You will fly to Christ and abide in him. Maybe you've got enough kind of Californian, kind of 21st century, and you you got a little there with the light, you will abhor yourself, and you say, "No, no, you can't say that in yoga class." You <laughs> and this is right. This is this is part of our it's part of our don't right? you Abhor yourself. You do yeah, That's a problem, right? That's a problem. With society, there's too much beating yourself up. You gotta hurt yourself. But but then when you see the flip side of it, kind of seeing yourself clearly and acknowledging the truth, so you can fly to Christ and abide in Him. Because even though there's stuff that you're so graciously accepted. The reality about life, about behavior and conduct in the Christian life, is that it's, a, it's an indicator, it points back to identity. And your identity in Christ, like if you do what this quote that I read says, if you really are gonna fly to Christ and abide in him, what you find when you go to Christ, whether it's through Scripture or the Christian community, is the repetition that we keep nauseatingly insisting upon. Look to the Look, look to the cross. Look to Christ's actions on your behalf. And what do you see there? But you see is one who is on the cross without clothes on because he clothes you with righteousness in that act. He goes to the cross on your behalf so that you can be clothed with righteousness. Righteousness, so that you can have the status of God's righteous Son of God before God the Father. Do you get that exchange, that clothing exchange? It's kind of like, so what this is all about is that it's different than what we tend to think about religion and walking into church and thinking about what am I going to learn. And you think you're going to get, here's the list. Here's the box of rules. You know, take it home with you and study it hard and come back next week doing a few more good things. And instead, what is handed to you is, box of clothing paid for, fit to your size, ready to go to replace the rags that you're wearing. And they're they're given to you. And all you have to do is put them on. In the cross, through the cross, Jesus clothes you. I know we have all those pictures of Jesus, you know, they have, we like to be, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is, but we like to have a little bit of clothing there, right? But I think... We know from the Gospels and from the account of how Jesus was crucified that he wouldn't have had any clothes on. Striking, He clothes you. Now this switches things around if you think about it because just doing more good things more of the time is not what it means to be a Christian. The Gospel in your life is not created by certain conduct you possess, but the gospel in your life creates certain new conduct. Put it another way. Your decision to change behavior doesn't make God love you. God loves you which makes you want to change your behavior. In a sense, because it works in reverse like this, you can expect that you don't run into people, even if you're a long-time Christian person who studied the Bible really well, you're a churchgoer, you know all the all the kind of principles of like what this new life is, looks like on the outside. You should still
1: expect to run
0: into really, really good people who who, who don't believe in this stuff. Quite frankly, because because it the, the means basically the Christian lives not panicking because my, my behavior might not measure up is freed from that, whereas throughout the world there's all kinds of people, you know them, who are evaluating themselves by everything they do, and they, they, they die or they live based on the record that they create. Yours is rooted in Christ. But you should expect to find other people working themselves to death to be a good person. In other words, a Christian who gets the gospel should expect to see people around you who are way better people than you. Just
1: because that is a,
0: quite a burden to bear. So as a result, the Christian life is never like a passion show, right? I've never been a model. I don't know if this is true, but I would think, if I was a model, I would think that I would want, as I walk down, you know, people are all watching, I would want everyone to remember only me and not the first. I would want them to be so stunned with me as I brought these clothes forward <laughs> that they completely forget about the person before me and after me, and my career would just say, life is not a fashion show where you're so self-conscious about your behavior and your things you're doing and you're kind of going, like, hey, you see the little sticker here? Can you see the, the lines on my city? you see the tie? That's not a Christian life. In fact, you know what it's like? If you're if you're really getting the gospel, you you'll have you'll have times where someone will point something out that you did and you'll go, oh, I didn't even, I, I honestly didn't even notice. In other words, your behavior kind of comes from your new identity. It flows out of your new identity in Christ. This whole passage starts with that. When it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. It gets into your new baptismal identity. Baptism reenacts the dying and rising of Christ, going in and coming out of the water. The old self being killed, the new self coming out alive. And your behavior is just a chance to show what's at work in that new identity deep in your heart. And I think the key to it is this. The key to really like switching this and not thinking that I'm standing up here talking about now everyone do a little better this week. See these lists. Some of you have some of these things in this list, and next week I want to see some better. No, to to, to convince you that that's not the mode we're in, listen to the advice that comes in here. Verse 16, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. That's what I want to end with. That's what I want to focus on. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Dwell richly. I think that's where it's at. I think it's like going back. Anything you see in your own behavior that's either encouraging or disturbing, all of it should bring you back to saying, I'm missing the message. I'm not dwelling richly in the message of Christ. And we need to talk this way in a sense to each other about our identity in Christ. Are we getting the gospel? Is it kind of alive? And is it active? And is it buzzing kind of in your life in any kind of way? if not, we need each other to help get back to it. We need the message to dwell richly of how much God loves us. Um... There's this old quote from a 17th century century puritan named John Flavio, and he says, The soul is so constituted that it creates fulfillment from things outside itself and will embrace earthly joys for satisfaction when it cannot reach spiritual ones. It's so true. He says, The believer is in spiritual danger if he allows himself to go for any length of time without tasting the love of Christ and savoring the felt comforts of the Savior's presence. When Christ ceases to fill the heart with satisfaction, our souls will go in silent search of other lovers. What I would say is that what he's saying there is not some kind of occasional, once in a while problem, but it's a daily challenge of anyone attempting to understand what Jesus means for them. The challenge of having the message of Christ to all well richly. Just to close with this, it very simply as one of my favorite books called Father Joe by Tony Hendra, this this priest who functions as a spiritual director simply says to the person writing the book, Tony dear, you will only be able to love when you understand how much you are loved. You are loved, dear, with a limitless, Fathomless, all-embracing love. Let's pray. God of grace, may we have beautifully rich times where we are suddenly aware of how our faith is either showing itself or not showing itself to those around us. May we have times where we, we are just appropriately troubled maybe by how we're relying on the idols of our own hearts going to things that don't feed us it's like cotton candy may we just with so much grace of your all-embracing love in that moment not beat ourselves into the ground but remember we have something so much better to go through and may you turn our hearts back towards you to connect once again with your love to drink deep from what you've done for us in Jesus and may this, even as we move towards a time of, um, of communion, may this be a, a reenactment of drinking deep of the sacrificial grace and love that you gave us through Jesus Christ. In the name we pray. Amen. Amen.